listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I am Lisa Tahir, your host. Today is episode number 270, and thank you so much for taking your time to listen or watch on live stream video. I really appreciate you for that, and I appreciate the podcast reviews that I have been seeing coming through on iTunes and other platforms. Thank you. And I invite you, if you have not left a written review, to please log on to wherever you hear or watch this show and do that. iTunes is one of the bigger platforms that I know their metrics specifically involves podcast reviews, the ones that you actually type in beyond the the five stars that I hope to have from you. It helps get this show in front of more listeners. And I ask you to do that. If you haven't, I have been going through and leaving podcast reviews on all the shows that I like. I have reviewed over 50 podcasts in the last couple of months because I know how important it is for their listenership. I ask you to do that for me as well. And if you are looking to work with a therapist, with a healing practitioner, I am taking new clients. You can learn more about what I offer through my website, which is nolatherapy.com, N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. An easy way to remember that is it stands for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. Dot com reflecting the two places that I live. I am in Los Angeles with you this week where I have been for a while this summer, taking some time away from New Orleans where I was for the first half of the year and enjoying this California sunshine. So at NOLA Therapy, you can find links to the book that I offer having to do with healing, through Empathy and Self-Forgiveness, an online mindset class incorporating psycho-spiritual techniques like using a pendulum, how you can use crystals in your home and office to amplify desired energies, be it of love, of peace, of insight, of wealth. And it's three to seven minute videos, 20 specific tips and tricks and practices, books, that I use in my own life that I offer to you, all at nolatherapy.com, as well as on social media. Follow me, Nola Therapy, on YouTube, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And I have some offers for you from my sponsors, Amazon Music sponsors this podcast. As my listener, they will offer you a month of free music to download. They have over 70 million songs. Check that out by going to get. AmazonMusic.com forward slash ATT for all things therapy. Audible Audiobooks supports this podcast and they will give you a free audiobook download and 30 day trial subscription to try them out if you're not already a member. I love audiobooks and Audible especially. So that offer you can take through audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. 
And if you like what you've been hearing and seeing on my podcast, I invite you to become a patron through patreon.com. It's a platform for artists, podcasters, creatives. I bet that most of the podcasts you like are on Patreon and you can you can help support us with as little as a dollar per month and receive cool things in exchange. My Patreon is found at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Okay, my guest today, moving into that part of the show, the main attraction is Toby Passman. He is a neuro physiology researcher who specializes in applying neuroscience of the brain and how it functions in concert with our thoughts, with our emotions, and our overall health to enable peak performance, which you hear a lot about nowadays, peak performance, peak experiences. We're going to talk to Toby more about how to amplify that in our lives through our brain. And Toby works and with professional athletes, Hollywood actors, with CEOs in the business and fitness industries to maximize their brain performance, utilizing electro and wait, electro and I just had this, Toby, don't interrupt. Let me, electro encephalography. shit. I thought I had that down. Use also using brain maps and neurofeedback. He's the host of Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast, a great podcast about neuroscience and guests that really are about healing in different ways. I was his guest, and I welcome you today, Toby, to being with us. Lisa, thank you so much for having me on. It's It's been a while since I had you back on my show, but I'm uh, really happy to be on yours. I am. And will you help me with the word that I just butchered? I apologize. Electroencephalography, is that correct? Electroencephalography. Thank you. Hey, what is that? you know what? It's a mouthful. And that's the reason that most people just call it an EEG. Because, <laughs> yeah, there's not too many people that can pronounce that right. So okay. what that is, is uh, basically a test that is able to uh, record the electrical data that emanates from a person's brain up to their scalp. And then we're able to record that uh, that electrical activity with an EEG cap, which for people who oh, yeah. may not have seen one, yeah, it's kind of like a swim cap looking thing. Thank you. Yeah. Has a bunch of electrodes on it. Yeah. Yes. How that's one of the get... primary. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. Finish. Please. Sure. No, I was just going to say that's one of the primary technologies that I, that I work with. You know, how did you get interested in the brain and, and how it works at this level? I was always a very curious kid in terms of like, I was, I'd always question, you know, why I am the way that I am, why I'm thinking the certain thoughts that I'm thinking. I, I don't know. I was always just thinking about thinking. And I, love I think that. that that curiosity led to, you know, reading some pop psychology and neuroscience books in high school, but it wasn't really until like, while I was in college, I, I came into college as a business major, but I quickly became pretty disillusioned with those hour and 50 minute uh, business lectures and and was trying to explore and see what else piqued my interest. And what I came across was this biopsychology class that okay. really blew my mind. So biopsychology, basically learning how the brain works on an electrical and chemical level, mm-hmm. kind of understanding the biological basis of, of behavior. So from that class, I then joined an EEG lab 
a research lab where I became a research assistant and started learning how to collect and artifact the actual brain data that we were collecting in as part of the research experiments. That is so cool. And I'm really excited to talk to you because I love studying quantum physics. And and with the brain, I use tuning forks, alpha, beta, and theta tuning forks in particular to help with brain waves, like just tuning myself as I meditate. And yet I don't have the science background that, that you have. So you offer so much to us, to our listeners today. And I'm just curious, where would you like to start amongst all the topics having to do with the brain and it's, you know, what, what's really most important for you today? Well, I think honestly, what, what you just said is a great sort of a jumping off point, which is, is talking about the different brain waves. Okay, so cool. kind of doing like a brain waves 101, you know, for people listening, I'd say, you know, so, so what's important to understand is that the brain runs both on electricity along with chemicals and it's okay. the chem, you know, the chemicals get a lot more of the attention, you know, everyone, most people have heard of dopamine, yes. serotonin or epinephrine, right? The popular neurotransmitters uh, that, that get a lot of popular attention, but what's often more neglected is, is the electrical side of things, but the brain does indeed run on electricity and the way that these different electrical rhythms, uh, rhythms are divvied up is is based on their frequency. So nice. the slowest of the frequency brain waves that we have is delta, which we usually see in very deep restorative sleep. Um, often also delta can pop up when when we see a lot of waking delta that can be indicative of a traumatic brain injury. Okay. So it can kind of indicate an area is sort of offline. And then theta is a bit faster. Theta is kind of Some say it's sort of the bridge between the conscious and unconscious. It's sort of a a twilight sort of dreamy state um, where people who are meditators who are like in a deep meditative state have familiarity with that theta state. Moving on to alpha. Alpha's sort of been described as like an idling rhythm of the brain. It's, you know, if you think of just kind of gazing out the window, just you're, you know, not thinking about anything in particular. You're just kind of mind wandering. That's kind of an alpha state. Alpha is also super important for like creativity, flow states that have been getting a lot of popular press attention. Yeah. And then the fastest of the brainwaves that I usually talk about is one called beta. And beta is really important for like cognitive processing, thinking about different things, uh, long-term planning, decision-making. And one of the things about beta though, is when it's, when we see overactivity with, with people producing too much beta activity, that's usually very indicative of, of them being stuck in that kind of chronic, you know, stress fight or flight sort of situation. Oh, very where, interesting. Yeah. Whereas their nervous system is kind of just hyper aroused. Like and, in post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the conditions where often we see an excess of beta activity. Okay. that's. I was just taking notes because I find this so fascinating and so important. How can we use these principles of the brain running on electricity in our lives to enhance things that you work with people to enhance? Yeah. So there, there's all sorts of different technologies and therapies, I guess you could say, that modulate the different brain waves. Uh, with, with the work that I do, I would say, so 
So basically what I do in terms of actually doing what's called a brain map, um, a QEEG brain map. So that what that stands for is a a quantified EEG. Okay. Um, And so that basically is where we, we put that cap on people and we record the electrical activity coming uh, coming from their brain for, we do 10 minutes with their eyes open, and then we do another 10 minute recording with their eyes closed. Mm. And that that gives us enough data to then work with and then put together, uh, we're, we're able to kind of generate these, these maps of the data. So they come in kind of looking like just these squiggly raw, you know, the, the raw data is just these squiggly waveforms that might not mean a ton to to someone, but with mm-hmm. the computer is able to basically transform that data into these two-dimensional maps of a person's brain, these okay. heat maps. So we're then able to visualize uh, if a person's producing excessive amounts of a certain brain wave, it'll show up in the warmer colors. Uh, if they're producing too little of a certain brain wave deficiencies, it'll show up in, in the lighter colors. Mm-hmm. So, and then we're also able to see where that deficiency or hyperactivity is coming from. So then we can use different tools like neurofeedback or neurostimulation to help regulate the electrical activity of the brain. Very interesting. And you're offering this to people now, aren't you? Yes. Um, people, people in the Miami and Fort Lauderdale area. Yeah. Um, actually beginning in about a month, I will be there offering those services. Uh, and yeah, it's basically taking these technologies that have been really commonly, commonly found in research labs or, you know, clinicians, you know, psychiatrists or neurologists who are using them and, and often with great, you know, efficacy, but what I think is very unique about what I'm doing is that I'm taking these technologies into more of a peak performance or wellness setting. Yeah. So, you know, in the same way that, you know, people go to the gym to work out, even if there's not anything seriously wrong with their body, you know, why not take that same approach with the brain for, for the way people mostly think about kind of cognitive brain related uh, health issues. It's like, you know, we don't, we don't do anything. We don't, we're not really proactive until there becomes a problem. And then we go, you know, see the psychiatrist if, if something gets to be really bad, but with these different technologies, we can actually work to, to actually boost an already pretty well-functioning brain uh, to even higher levels of performance. So I'm super excited to be bringing these services to, to people in the South Florida area. I am too. And I know, Toby, in your work, you talk about neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to remodel itself. And for me, I use meditation as a tool in my life daily to just like your analogy, you just said going to the gym to exercise the muscles of my mind and to enhance them. Can you talk to us about neuroplasticity, about how the brain even communicates with itself to make this something, you know, how we can daily incorporate some practices in our lives to enhance our brain health. Yeah. Yeah. So neuroplasticity really is the foundational principle that enables all of the work that I do to, to happen. If there wasn't neuroplasticity, there'd be no point of really any psychotherapy or any neuromodulation or anything, because you'd be stuck with the brain that you have. 
But because of this principle of neuroplasticity, researchers have found that actually uh, people throughout their entire lives, your brain is constantly changing, uh, growing new connections, new neurons, new brain cells, uh, new connections amongst those cells are forming. And this is something that's actually pretty new in terms of neuroscientists up until a few decades ago used to think that, you know, when once you reached, you know, kind of adulthood, that your brain just started deteriorating. And as you got older, your brain cells just kind of started dying off. Mm -hmm. Or if you did drugs or, you know, drank a lot of alcohol, that that brain cells would just start dying off. And that is true. Brain cells do die. But what researchers have since found in the past couple of decades is this uh, this process where new neurons are actually forming. And that's a process known as neurogenesis. And to answer your question there, as far as what we can do to sort of increase this, this uh, process, these neuroplastic processes or increase neurogenesis, there's, there's a, key, uh, a key signaling factor that's called uh, BDNF. It stands okay. for brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And okay. this, is a pro this is a protein that basically drives neurogenesis. It drives the creation of new brain cells. And there's lots of different things that can uh, increase BDNF levels, some of which come from the diet, such as uh, drinking coffee, uh, eating like uh, chocolate, blueberries, uh, I believe uh, cacao, and then in terms of our lifestyle, we have like exercise, there's like sprinting has been shown to really dramatically increase BDNF levels, along with like high intensity interval training is uh -huh. another one. And then in terms of the, the work that I do, neurostimulation has been shown in studies to increase neuroplasticity uh, and BDNF amongst a lot of other things that it does. But, but yeah, basically, you know, I just uh, I just interviewed a psychiatrist on my show, Dr. Brant Courtright, who who wrote a whole book called "The Neurogenesis Diet and Lifestyle," and basically basically talking about how it's like higher rates of neurogenesis. The higher your rate of neurogenesis, the less depression, the less anxiety. You know, the better overall mental health and well being that you have. So, the more things that you can do to to increase neurogenesis, the better and the more things that, that you can eliminate that decrease it, such as, you know, sugar is a big one, alcohol, those, those are two big ones that really decrease neurogenesis. So, yeah, I think that's so important for people to understand that. And I think so, too, for people to know there are things that we can do. Can you speak to the role of meditation as far as our brain health and helping with neurogenesis and neuroplasticity? Yeah. So meditation does a lot of good things for the brain, uh, one of which it, it strengthens the connections between the left and right hemisphere of the brain. It actually uh, strengthens this bundle of fibers that runs down the midline of the brain called the corpus callosum. So this is, this is a band of fibers that connects the left and right hemispheres. And the better we're able to the better those two hemispheres of the brain communicate with each other, the better our brain works overall. And meditation has been shown to, to increase the density of those fibers. So that's one way. 
Um, in terms of, you know, on an electrical side of things, you know, we're, we're normally producing a lot of, uh, you know, beta brain waves. That's kind of our, our day to day, just our waking, you know, thinking, right. you know, uh, we're just kind of going about our business kind of monkey mind. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we meditate, we start sinking into slower states of consciousness. So we start sinking into alpha. If people have been meditating a while or in, or are in a really deep state of meditation, they could even reach theta. Super advanced meditators can even reach a delta state, which is normally, as I was saying before, only seen in an unconscious sleep. But uh, when you when you slow down the brain, a lot of good things happen. Mm -hmm. That enables a lot of the restorative processes to occur, a lot of cellular regeneration that isn't able to take place when, when the brain's, you know, kind of go, go, go all the time. It's, it's detrimental, you know, to our health to be in that kind of chronic fight or flight state. And meditation, I think, is a great tool to help us really activate the parasympathetic nervous system that uh, the rest and digest response, as it's been described, to really, uh, you know, boost our ability to be able to, to stay relaxed. You know, I like what you're saying, Toby, when you mentioned the monkey mind, and I think of that as our thinking mind that's on during our waking hours almost constantly, and the potential through meditation to access, like you said, those slower brainwave states, and then even suggest to bypass the thinking mind into the subconscious and start to even work at that level of creation of, you know, suggesting, I know sometimes like binaural beats paired with meditation and even suggesting things that we want to have in our lives. Like, is that, is that any part of your work as you're working with, you know, peak performance to tap into suggestive type things for lack of a better term? Yeah. I mean, binaural beats, I'm, I'm certainly aware of, I've, I've tried them out myself and I certainly have read about the, the science behind them. I'm, I'm definitely a fan. I haven't actually, it's not exactly incorporated into the work I do. Well, I guess something, something similar with a technology that I use called audio visual entrainment. Okay, so that? with that technology, we're basically pulsing a specific frequency of, of both light into the eyes. You know, people wear these glasses, so you're getting uh, kind of a strobe light. And then you're getting tones play, uh, that are that are being pulsed into each ear. Now, I think that technology is is something. It's a similar thing as uh, binaural beats. It's not mm -hmm. identical, but what all of these things have in common is is that you know through these different mechanisms, we're able to entrain the brain to cer a certain rhythm. So, for instance, you know the the uh, how how fast that light is flickering can entrain the brain to a certain rhythm. So, so an alpha rhythm is uh, 10 cycles per second. So if we flash that light, uh, 10, 10 flashes in a second, that can then entrain the brain to an alpha rhythm. And same, same idea with the ears, with playing tones into the ears. So you can entrain the brain, you know, auditorily, you know, visually, we can also do it through, you know, neurostimulation directly stimulating the electrical activity of the brain. But they're all different mechanisms that are basically working to 
have the same effect. You know, and I think it's so great that what you're offering people starting in, is it October? In November. In November in in the Miami area with neurofeedback and neuromodulation with like, I wish this was something everywhere that we could all walk in and make an appointment and tune our brains. Is that something you would like to see that, that kind of you're about in starting what you're doing in Southern Florida? Yeah. I mean, the goal is definitely to, to expand and hopefully set up neuro labs all over the place. You know, I think, you know, there, there's already, you know, a few other companies that I'm aware of who, who are doing something similar, but for the most part, you know, it is a pretty untapped space so far where mm-hmm. it's, it's really the, the use of these technologies in that sort of peak performance setting is still in its infancy. So, you know, for, for most people listening, if they wanted to say, do, you know, neurofeedback or to try uh, neurostimulation, which is even a bit rarer to find, you know, they, there might be one or two people in, you know, if they live in a major metropolitan area, you know, there might be a couple practitioners, but they're going to have to, you know, it's basically, you know, a psychiatrist or psychologist they're going to have to work with. And, and that could be great, you know, if that's what, you know, someone's wanting, but the way I see it is, you know, if we could, if we could kind of make this sort of brain training, you know, readily accessible to people all over the country, uh, you know, it, it can really, we can really produce, I think massive shifts in just people's states of consciousness and really a collective consciousness. You know, if we're able to, to improve the biological functioning of people's brains on a, on a really mass scale, I mean, think of just how many awesome societal changes, you know, could result. It'd certainly be a much better, kinder, safer place to live in with people's brains working better. Absolutely, Toby. So what, because I know there are things we can do, nutrition focused, exercise focused, that the listener right now is like, oh my gosh, I really want to optimally fuel my brain, feed my brain. What are things we can do without having to go to a lab somewhere? Sure. I think one of the biggest ones is incorporating lots of healthy fats into your diet. So fats have been long demonized, I I think, by the medical establishment. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we've been told to eat, you know, tons of carbs and all this processed sugar that's come into the, the diet. But, yeah. and, and fats have really gotten a bad rap. And certain fats are definitely bad. You know, trans fats are banned uh, in most foods and do not do good things to the body. But the brain really does need healthy, good, saturated fat. So fat that you're getting from you know coconut oil, olive oil, um, butter, ghee. Uh, let's see, kind of grass fed fatty acids like in, Ome- in salmon. Yeah, absolutely. Those okay. that's another great type of fat. Yeah, and yeah, the, a lot of the the brain is actually composed of fat. The the myelin sheaths that that insulate neurons that actually speed the the signaling, the conduction yes. uh, between neurons are actually these these fat um, fat composed uh, membranes. So, yeah, the more things that we can do, um, the more healthy fats that we incorporate into our diet, it really gives the brain kind of the raw building blocks that it needs to perform optimally. 
Another yeah. thing about fat is it's uh, it's the building block for uh, collect, uh, or sorry, should I say cholesterol? Uh, fat is the building block for cholesterol, and cholesterol also gets a bad rap, but cholesterol is then the building block for all of our major uh, major hormones. You know, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, uh, DHEA. All of these hormones are, you know, the the, the first step in that uh, process in the synthesis of all those hormones is cholesterol, and cholesterol is is derived from fats. So all of these hormones are very like neuroactive. They're actually changing your brain activity. So if you're not getting enough fat into your diet, you're also not providing your brain enough of those raw resources it needs to to formulate the the proper amount of hormones it needs. Very interesting. So adding some healthy fats to our diet can help with our brain health. You mm-hmm. mentioned like HIIT workouts, high intensity interval training. You mentioned yes. sprinting. You mentioned, I think like dark chocolate. Dark chocolate's a good one. Yeah, definitely uh, trying to minimize the amount of milk, fat and sugar that you have in there. Sure. Um, as far as other things, let's see, you know, when it comes to when it comes to supplements, def- definitely, you know, omega-3 fatty acids, you know, mm-hmm. taking a taking a fish oil supplement is great. I'm a big fan of vitamin D. I was uh, thinking vitamin- that too. The sun even. Like, oh, the, the sun. Vitamin D, something I would ask you about. The, the sun we could really classify as a drug in yeah. terms of the, the, the such a diverse amount of biological effects that the sun produces. It really does equate to a drug in a lot of senses. So... Yeah, getting getting adequate vitamin D from from the sun, and if if not, which a lot of us aren't able to get sufficient amounts of vitamin D from the sun, so if you if you're not able to, definitely taking a a vitamin D supplement. Uh, also, magnesium is another really critical one for for brain health. Really, a lot for people who struggle with like anxiety, panic attacks, um, irritability, insomnia. I just had a woman on my show. Uh, talking about um, actually topical magnesium, which is something, yeah, that's something that was actually pretty new to me. Um, But yeah, basically she, she uses topical magnesium uh, like as like a moisturizer um, and puts it, you know, on on her forehead, on her chest, you know, as she's starting to experience those anxiety symptoms or a panic attack is coming on and it can drastically kind of reduce that and, and really break that that cycle of stress. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't yeah. heard of topical magnesium. I hadn't really either. I, I may have heard about it once or twice, but yeah, there there's different, a lot of different forms of magnesium that people can take in capsules. Also like Epsom salt baths is another one where you can get magnesium okay. uh, from soaking in it. But, but yeah, there's, there's also these topical moisturizers, creams, sprays. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. To switch gears a little bit, Toby, tell our listeners about your podcast, Roscoe's Wetsuit, in case, you know, they want to tune in and know more about what, what you're putting out there. Sure. So honestly, I, I started the podcast a couple years ago as kind of, it was kind of a good excuse for me to talk to people who I'd otherwise have no business talking to, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, for real really like i'm i'm a neuroscience geek so you know if i read some paper from a researcher at stanford 
and I wanted to learn more, you know, I could try calling that person up and, and asking to talk to them. But, you know, I, I figured that by having a podcast that I could then invite them onto, it, it's sort of providing, you know, value to both me, to them, along with to, you know, whoever listens to it. Yeah. So that, that was really, it, it, it was really born out of just my own curiosity to expand my knowledge of neuroscience, psychology, you know, neurophysiology, all of these different things. And I've had a, an awesome time growing the show. It's about to, about to hit 150 episodes. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's certainly, certainly, you know, is, is something that I feel like is, is a great resource for people who, who want to know who, you know, even people who are not involved in neuroscience or psychology, but people who care about the health of their brains, who care about wellness, you know, there's people, they have nutritionists come on the show. There's, uh, you know, everything from hypnotherapists, uh, dietitians, uh, you know, we, to, you know, to more of the research community, but it's, it's a very diverse show. I feel like that encompasses just everything, everything to do with the brain, whether that be mindset or more of the biological side. It's yeah. So it's been really fun. And if I remember correctly, the name Roscoe's wetsuit, is that sourced from a, was it a book? Can you share with our listeners a story of that? It's a screenplay. Yeah. It's a screenplay read. So it's, it's Roscoe's wetsuit is, uh, it was a screenplay from this artist, Childish Gambino. Also his real name is Donald Glover. He's an actor and, and musical artist, but he released uh, an album called Because the Internet. And there's a screenplay that went along with the album. And in the screenplay, the main character comes across the words Roscoe's wetsuit kind of in different places it's graffitied under a bridge or just you know he sees it kind of throughout throughout the whole screenplay and at the end he comes across a kid who's writing roscoe's wetsuit on a napkin so he confronts the kid and is like you know okay finally i'm get i'm gonna find out you know what what this means and so he asks the kid you know what is roscoe's wetsuit and the kid's reply is i don't know i just saw it online <laughs> So Roscoe's wetsuit means nothing, but <laughs> it's a metaphor in the sense it kind of means everything in the sense it's, uh, you know, I feel like really sort of in a way kind of playing on just the whole how, how you know, we all kind of just go with whatever is trending and follow the crowd and, and not really think for ourselves uh, just in terms of society. So I kind of wanted to do something different than that with my show. So I thought that was kind of a, a cool way to use a little bit of irony and and metaphor um, from that screenplay. You know, I think that's interesting, Toby, and such a good story. It reminds me of this morning I read an article about a museum in England that commissioned an artist something like $83,000 to replicate a sculpture. And the artist gave the museum two blank canvases and the, the museum wants to sue him. And he titled the work something about take the labor and run. And it's like a metaphor for people, not companies, corporations, not paying enough for labor and, and services. And so the museum actually hung the pieces and is still intending to get the money from the artist who came out and said, I'm not, 
I'm not returning the money. This is a statement, kind of like Roscoe's wetsuit isn't anything, you know, kind of like this whole notion, which I think is so creative. Talk about tapping into the brain and and really approaching things from a back door in a different way. I think your title is creative and the story as well kind of blew my mind how the artist really stepped out to to do this and make a statement. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So back to the brain, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of neurofeedback, the term you, you, you've used, and I've heard it a lot as a therapist. What is neurofeedback exactly? Yes. So, so neurofeedback basically is you're, you're basically playing a video game with your brain. So how this looks is, is someone has an EEG cap on the, the same cap that we were talking about at first, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is recording what the brain is doing. But with neurofeedback, we're actually training the electrical rhythms of the brain. So depending on the specific condition, the specific, uh, you know, sort of thing that we're working on, you know, the protocol might be different based on whatever the person is hoping to achieve. So if, say, we do a brain map and we see a lot of deficiencies, say, in, in beta activity, say, have someone who's very inattentive, they struggle with focusing. Oftentimes that would show up in a brain map as a lot of deficiencies in beta waves. So with neurofeedback, we could actually train a person's brain to increase its production of those beta waves by giving them a reward whenever beta is produced. So for instance, they'd be, you know, watching a screen and as the screen gets larger, or if it's audio, as the tones get louder, um, that indicates the brain, that the person's brain is producing those good uh, beta brainwaves. Okay. Now, if the screen gets smaller or if the, the tones get quieter, that's the negative feedback telling the brain, you know, nope, nope, you're not doing it right. You know, go back to what you were doing before to make the tones louder or to get the screen bigger. So it's providing real-time feedback to tell the brain when it's doing a good job and when it needs to kind of self-correct. Interesting. How often is ideal for someone to participate in neurofeedback sessions? So a lot of practitioners do, you know, once or twice a week sessions for, you know, sometimes 20 sessions, 30 sessions, even up to 40 or 60 sessions, depending on what conditions specifically. So, it, it, you know, the thing about neurofeedback, it, it is very effective, but it can, you know, it definitely is very, you know, I think, uh, demanding both in terms of, you know, people's time and money uh, to, to really do enough sessions to see real significant changes. And that's why I actually am a bigger fan of neurostimulation. Okay, what it, is that? It packs more of a punch. Yeah, yeah. So, so neurostimulation is basically... Uh, it's more just directly taking the brain to whatever uh, is being stimulated. So how this would look is there's somewhere between two to six electrodes that are being placed at different areas along the scalp. And it's also done based on what we saw in that original brain map. So what we're seeing, how we're seeing, you know, the brain look, what areas, what act, uh, what brain waves need to be increased, decreased. That's kind of, depend uh you know the protocol is dependent on that but once we set someone up uh we basically 
just start them on a, on the computer and they're getting kind of a very low intensity electrical current. It's not painful. It's not the shock therapy that people right. often think of when I say neurostimulation, you know, people think of the 1950s electroconvulsive right. therapy. This is much, much lower dosage. Mm-hmm. So with that, it's using upwards of like 800 milliamps is the, the measure of electricity. Whereas with this low intensity neurostimulation, we're, we're usually using somewhere between, you know, one to two and a half milliamps. So okay. a lot lower intensity. And it's basically gently guiding the brain into whatever different state that we're in training it to be in. So it's, you know, whatever we see on the brain map that needs to be adjusted, whatever sort of dysregulation that we're seeing, we can really quickly work on correcting with neurostimulation. And oftentimes after, you know, as, as few as five to 10 sessions, people are seeing, or we're starting to see real significant oh, changes. that's great. Yeah, on a brain map. Even from the first session people do, people often report that they're sleeping a lot better, their anxieties decreased a lot. It's very noticeable. So it's a it's a great technology that you know a lot of people have never, you know, even seen before, let alone ever had access to. So I'm I'm excited to be introducing that to to a lot of people. I'm so excited with what you're doing with your applied neuroscience company, Toby. What what do you want to leave listeners with and our kind of concluding time together? I would say you're not stuck with the brain that you have. So, you know, if, if you're experiencing problems in any area of your life, whether that's, you know, your, your energy levels, your interpersonal relationships, your work, you know, whatever it is, if, if you're not happy with your life, it really often is, you know, that if anything that we can have any sort of control or influence over, you know, is related to the brain. So if we can improve the, the functioning of the brain, we can change basically everything that has a solution to it. So I think that's that's a real important thing for people to always keep in mind, no matter what they're going through, no matter how bad, you know, they or, or unsatisfied with their life they feel today, there's always hope that things can be better because yeah. the brain is is plastic. It's constantly changing and adapting yes. and and so if we just give it the right inputs, give it the right stimulus, feed it the right foods, give it the right exercise and, you know, and sleep, all of those things are really essential in, in really helping people to have the best, uh, best brain health and therefore the best lives, really, that they can live. I'm hearing that our brain is a muscle, much like our, our physical muscles, that we have so much ability to enhance and take care of. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that analogy really works pretty well. And, and one that I use in terms of talking about the work that I do is, you know, essentially exercise for the brain. These different technologies, neurofeedback, neurostimulation, we're, we're basically taking your brain to the gym. And yeah. I think that people understand the importance of, you know, taking care, you know, taking their body to the gym and I, I might be a little biased because I'm in the field, but I truly do think within the next five to 10 years, we're going to start really seeing the explosion of, of this sort of stuff in, in the health and wellness sphere. Because I, I, I really too. think 
I really think that brain health is really the the next frontier of of well-being that you know is hasn't really been tapped into. And I also want listeners to know your website, which is roscoeswetsuitneuro.com. Yes, yes. And actually, I created a special landing page. So if people go to roscoeswetsuitneuro.com slash NOLA, uh, they can uh, get a 15% off discount on their first NeuroHealth coaching session if they're interested, which is a service that I offer uh, basically helping people to you know, implement these different changes in their diet, exercise, sleep hygiene, supplementation, and uh, basically, you know, we're uh, walking them through the process of, you know, incorporating all of those changes. So if people go to that link, uh, then they can get a 15% off uh, discount code. Thank you. And that's NOLA, like N-O-L-A, New Orleans, Los Angeles. Correct? Yes, correct. Thank you. I appreciate that, Toby. That's awesome. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking your time today to share with us this information and make it more user-friendly than what it has been before. Of course. I think it's, it's you know, that translation of the, the neuroscience and psychology into practical things that people can actually apply and understand is, is so critical because there's, there's so much great research that's going on, but oftentimes those researchers aren't too apt at communicating that that science to the public. So that's sort of what, you know, the role I see myself in with both my business and the podcast kind of in that translational neuroscience. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Likewise, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome, Toby. Bye. That concludes our show today with Toby Passman. Go to Roscoe's Wetsuit neuro.com forward slash n-o-l-a nola for 15 percent off him to help you learn what can enhance and tune your brain so important i hope you have a really wonderful weekend and i will be with you next week bye you're listening to all things therapy with lisa tahir